This is the Busy People Podcast hosted by Nicole Hope and Victoria Albuquerque. Dropping knowledge on all things health, wellness, and lifestyle because you're never too busy to learn something new. So here we are, episode four, the Busy People Podcast. Um, as you know, we're, we're bringing you big information in little bites, and today's episode is all about toddlers and food and feeding them, picky eaters. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any kids, so that's why this was a great episode for me to listen to and learn. Um, hopefully, I can take some of these practices away and use them in the future, but especially for all of those moms and dads and parents out there, I think there's some great stuff that that you can take away. So Amy is like my um, Instagram angel and I follow her for my own children and she is a writer. She has a huge following on Instagram um, and basically she is like the person who helps all struggling parents feed their kids. So she has amazing recipes, so so many good um, little like tidbits to help you get through your meal times. I didn't even realize this is such a big issue. Like apparently this is a big thing. Like I just thought, oh, kids (laughs) are picky eaters. But like, yeah, what a pain in the ass that must be. (laughs) Honestly, it's so stressful that all I feel like most parents do, I do, is search Instagram, try to find recipes. How can I get my kids to eat vegetables and not eat the same thing every day? But Amy is very helpful in that. And I think this podcast, you know, especially if you know Amy and you follow her, which maybe you, if you don't and you have kids, this is going to be super helpful because she just like extinguishes all of the common fears and stresses when it comes to feeding kids so yeah awesome this is a good one for you to listen love to. love it okay bye okay welcome back to the busy people podcast i'm nicole i'm victoria and we are here with amy who is very well loved on social <laughs> media because she helps many people feed their toddlers and stay calm um, I have personally been following her for a long time, so we're so excited to welcome her from State College, PA. Hello. So, Amy, welcome. Hi. I try to Would help you... parents stay calm. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's an ongoing endeavor. <laughs> it is. Um, but do you want to just introduce yourself and maybe just give a little bit of information of how you ended up on this path? Sure. So. Um... So I run the site yummytoddlerfood.com and all of the related social handles. Um, I started out working as a magazine editor. So I worked as like a lifestyle editor, a craft editor. I produced like big party and holiday stories. Um, I lived in New York and I got to go like on fun trips and stuff. And then like the magazine industry started collapsing and like all the magazine jobs I had just like would go away. And so... Um, when I had my last job, I sort of knew, well, my second to last job, I like, I could see like the signs that a magazine was going to be folded. And so I knew that I just wanted something that was my own, that was like less, like there are a lot of factors I deal with now as a food blogger and a cookbook author, but I'm not like going to wake up one day and someone's just going to take my job away. 
And so I really wanted something that was my own and that I could like directly talk to people. So it was a very long journey of doing it badly for about six years. Um, I really like didn't know how to use a camera. I, I mean, I certainly didn't know how to do video. Um, I hardly know how to do it now. Um, I didn't know how to be a food blogger. Like it is a really, um, it's an intense job because there are like, it's, there are so many factors and I think a lot of food bloggers now like have big teams and they have like people doing all of the various roles. But like when you're just starting out, it's really like you have to learn like a ton of stuff. So it took a while. Um, so I've been doing it full time now for three years and um, I wrote a kid's cookbook two years ago, I think it's called Food Play. And I'm working on a, like a regular cookbook now with really easy dinner solutions. I'd like to, um, if we can, jump right into really why you think so many people feel overwhelmed when it comes to feeding their families. Okay, so there's there's a lot of factors. Um, I think two of the main ones that come up with feeding younger kids is, <laughs> so there's a lot of talk about like toddlers being picky eaters. And then we forget that like toddlers are exploring boundaries in like all aspects of their life, like they don't want to wear the socks you want them to wear. They want to go outside without a coat. They want to like not go to bed. Like that is their job to explore their world. And it happens at the table and we really don't want it to because it's a big pain. And so I think our expectations of what mealtimes are going to be are just sort of off. Partly because of social media, I think now is making it worse in a lot of ways. Um, like there are a ton of amazing resources, but there is so much pressure just because we see so many visuals and we see so many other people doing things certain ways where we're like constantly comparing what we're serving, how we're serving it, the lunch boxes that we're using, the forks we're using with other people in a way that I think is making us second guess our instincts. So it's like... It's kind of a blessing and a curse because you can get a ton of information, but I, I, I worry a little bit that it's like, it's really mounting the pressure on parents, um, you know, combined with just like everyone having a thousand things to do at all times. So it, it just like all kind of comes together and makes it really a challenge. Yeah, sure. Well, can you talk a little bit about the challenges um, related specifically to early childhood nutrition? Sure. So one thing that happens when after a kiddo turns one it is very common for a parent to see appetite changes and preferences emerge and part of that is simply because toddlers grow less quickly than they did as babies and their appetite often is less and we think because they're getting older and they're growing bigger that their appetite will continue to grow when often it is like entirely the other direction because they're growing less slowly. And so that is like, I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I'm like, I get the message that's like, my 17 month old is suddenly picky. My 14 month old suddenly doesn't want anything that I'm giving them. And like the number one thing to start with is like, maybe they're just not as hungry as you expect. And if you start there, it is much easier to be empathetic than judgmental of what the child is or isn't eating. And I know it sounds like really straightforward and, but it is it like, it changes the emotion in your body. If you're just like, maybe they're just not that hungry. 
Well, I don't think that's common knowledge. No, like it's I not. didn't know that. Yeah. It's not like your <laughs> I'm not, I don't have kids, that. but right. I feel like that should probably be something that every new parent is is told or made aware of. Yeah. Because that seems like that would help a lot. (laughs) I think when you said like the pediatrician, they don't tell you that. And that's why so many people do go to social media looking for answers because you want as a new mom, you know, and dad, you want a an answer. You want an answer because you don't know what to do. So just having the idea of like take the emotional connection away from it is is really so helpful. And realize that there's a reason that your child's not eating so much. You know, I I, I have to remind myself that still I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. And still when she's like dinner, I'm done. She had two bites of her food. I'm like, what am I going to do right now? Get mad or just realize like, oh, okay, she's feeling this way about her food. And if she was hungry, she would eat, I guess, right? Like in – it is not like not every child will eat if they're hungry. Like it, it's there could be all sorts of things that factor into that. But I think if you're if we're just like starting as like the they're not eating as much as I'm expecting them to, and maybe they're not hungry, maybe they're tired. Like especially at dinner for little kids, it is like the worst time of the day, and our expectations are often the highest with what we're trying to get them to eat. So like that's when we serve the most veggies. That's when we're serving them sometimes more complicated food than they might see at breakfast or lunch. Um, And so sometimes if you just change when you're serving things and like move those foods earlier in the day and then keep dinner simpler, like that can also help. Um, But like with the nutritional challenges of feeding little kids, I think that like you just, you can't know how much food anyone else needs because we're not in their bodies. And so there is this pressure to get them to, to like get them to eat certain portion sizes and little kids really just don't eat like the charts make us think that they will. Like they're not going to sit down and eat like this much carbohydrate and this much protein and this much vegetable and fruit like at every meal. They're going to eat like a pint of blueberries at snack time and then like all the chicken at dinner or like a bunch of milk at snack. And then like, you know, like they're going to eat more of some things at some meals and snacks and more at others. And if you look over the course of the week, it's like a much more balanced picture and that's totally normal. And for a lot of adults, that's normal too. So you, you talk about, you know, children maybe not wanting to eat at mealtime. What are some of the other common challenges that you see that, that people are facing at mealtime? Um, I mean, some of it is just like a parent coming home at the end of the day and they have like to catch up on life and they need to get the kids fed and bathed and like also connect with their partner. And it's, I think a lot of the times we're distracted um, and it's hard for us. Like ideally we would have the time and space to sit down together as a family and like engage with the kid as they're eating and model how to eat certain things. That's not always the reality. And so I think you have to just do the best with the situation that you have and know that there might be phases where the kids eat at 5.30 and you wait until 8 so that you can eat in peace. And like, that's totally fine. Um, so I know there is like a ton of pressure on family meals and um, eating the same food. And it's just, sometimes it's just like, you just have to sometimes just like let go of what everyone else is saying and just do what works for your family because your family has a very unique context. So what would you say are some of the most common mistakes that you see parents make? I think it's hard for parents not to take 
the way that their kids are eating or their kids' food preferences personally as like a judgment on their parenting. Um, like it, it just, it, it doesn't work that way. Like kids are learning to behave from all sorts of sources and they're unique and not every kid likes every food. And if your kid doesn't like broccoli or they won't eat kale or like someone yesterday was like, I made this cauliflower rice something and my kid wouldn't eat it. I'm like, I'm not sure that that's like outside of the realm of normal. Like they might just not have liked it. <laughs> like, um, and so I think, I think we have like, you know, if you think about what we ate when we were kids, probably different than how you eat now. And we're sort of expecting kids to eat like adults and not giving them time to learn. Um, and I think part of that is just because what we're seeing other families do or what we think other families are doing. Yeah, the, the expectations. Yeah. Do you think that there are like any non-negotiables when it comes to feeding them or, or no? I mean, honestly, like my only non-negotiable is like that there's enough food. Like that's really like the most important thing that a child feels like they have access to enough food and like that's not always possible for every family but that sense of security that they're going to be fed like on a regular basis in times that they can sort of anticipate is really helpful with just setting like a basic structure for feeding kids so for me in my house we have like a fairly regimented structure about when we eat and then there's a lot of flexibility within that as far as what we're eating and the time structure helps me like not be in the kitchen all day not be cleaning up like for hours at a time um, and so it helps like that might be my personal non-negotiable um, just that like the kitchen is not just like a free-for-all um, but I think that that also is probably like a very unique a unique um, perspective just based on where you are with life. Yeah. And we know, you know, a lot of parents are working, right. so, you know, don't have control over what their kid is eating all day long or when their kid is eating. But if you find that this, the kids are constantly wanting to snack, like we were talking about a structure, I love a structure. Mm -hmm. um, and if they are constantly wanting to snack, do you have suggestions? Do you allow that? Or is it like you're really keeping the snacks a certain time and also making the snacks um, you know, nutritious so that if they don't eat that meal, it's okay. Like, how do you work around that? So like in our house, we have a fairly straightforward, um, structure because we were all home so long and it just sort of like solidified. And I have two kids that, well, one kid is old enough to be able to tell time and she sort of like takes the lead on being like, it's three thirty. Like, um, but so my kids don't often ask for snacks between because this is just their normal. But if they were, I do like my three-year-old will often come downstairs in the morning and want like a Z bar or something that we tend to save for like if we're going out and we need to take food with us. Um, and, or he'll come home from daycare and be like wanting another snack when it's almost dinner time and he already had a snack at daycare. And so in that circumstance, I just let him choose a snack and put it on the table to eat with his dinner. So that way, we're not like eating between, but he also has the option to choose the thing that he wants. And usually he eats that plus his dinner because he's at this current phase, he's very hungry. Um, if, a, if a kid's asking for snacks all day long, like I'm, I think the first thing would be like, trust them that they're hungry. 
but look at the types of snacks that they're eating and they just might not be filling enough. So you could add like milk or a small smoothie or some yogurt or some cheese to something um, like a fat or a protein and just see if that helps satisfy them. And then they might be bored. Like it's, it's hard. This has been a hard two years and that's like food is comforting and food is delicious and it gives everybody something to do. Um, so you could just sort of see like how the day is going and maybe there needs to be like a push towards an activity or something. I think we, the way that we function too is oftentimes out of boredom we are eating. So it would be the same for kids. And that's a really good point. If you're around, you know, we've all been home and if they're just sitting around the house, then they're just looking for something to do. So that's definitely a good, good point. Um, What about for kids who we would call picky eaters where, you know, they're just on like the chicken nugget train and that's where they've been. Um, How do you suggest introducing some more nutritious foods without feeling like you're pressuring, you know, feeling pressure as the parent or pressuring the kid? Well, chicken nuggets can be a really great option because they have like tons of protein and they're really easy for parents to make. So like that would be like a not terrible starting place. Um, And I think like my, my main thing is like, see where you can give the kid power. Like in what way can you make them feel more in control? And so with, if you're wanting them to eat more fruits and vegetables, you could simply like give them a choice between two, let them wash something at the sink, let them like when my um, three-year-old was younger, I would hold like a head of broccoli and let him break the florets off. And he like loved that. And he didn't eat broccoli for until he was well over two, but he knew what it was and he was comfortable touching it. And like, he will now sometimes eat it. He doesn't mind now if there, if I put like a little bit of broccoli on pizza or like in mac and cheese. Um, so I think like letting the kids interact with the foods away from the table and like with zero pressure to put it in their mouths can be an easy way to start that. Also like reading about food can be really helpful. There are like there's a like a peekaboo fridge game that my husband has on his phone that's like some sort of fridge that opens and then you see like different foods pop up. Like there's I think there's all sorts of ways that you can learn about food that um, can like build the base of knowledge that can then um, but a lot of times kids just like push back when they feel like they're being pressured into something. So you can let them serve themselves at the table, invite them to add a dip, like who cares if they dip their carrots and broccoli or carrots and ketchup or like ranch or whatever it is. If, if they want the food to taste better to them, I'm all for that. That's funny. Literally yesterday, my one and a half year old was putting Chinese noodles in yogurt and I, we were like, Oh my gosh, this is so disgusting, (laughs) but whatever, this is what he wants to eat. So I don't know. Um, and so I, I mean, this whole like experiencing the food besides the, the eating it part, I think is, something that I learned from you that I try to do in the kitchen for sure. And my, both my kids are, you know, love chopping and, and washing. You totally and don't have to do it, it like but... all the time. I just want to say like, like keep, yeah, you, yeah. don't feel like at like five thirty you need to be like cooking with, yeah. That they're making the meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know another thing that you often talk about is talking about the importance of describing food by the color and the texture and the flavor and not by like if it's a healthy mm-hmm. food or not. So 
which I love, but do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's a really important point that you've, that you sure. talk about on your, on your so Instagram. So the way that it, talking about food can be really challenging because all of us have our own sort of biases about nutrition or understanding of nutrition. Um, healthy means different things to different people. It doesn't have like a standard definition on packaging. Actually on packaging, I think it just means low sodium. Um, and so it doesn't really mean anything to a kid to say that this food is healthy, but if you teach them the name of the food, they will know what it is when they're out in the world without you. If you teach them how to identify it by talking about the color, if you teach them what it tastes like and why you like it, you can sort of like give them the information to understand the food in a much more interesting way to a small kid's brain than just using a word like healthy or nutritious. Um, it's also just so much more straightforward because you like, if you have ever had a child ask you like, is this healthy? Is this nutritious? Trying to, is this an energy food? It, like trying to answer it honestly is so hard because like my five-year-old asked me, I can't remember what the food was. She was like, is this an energy food? And I was like, okay, so you will learn that at school. I don't know the context and I don't know what examples were being used, but like scientifically speaking, all food is actually an energy foods because it, that's the way that food is measured in like units of energy. And so we had a conversation about like how all food gives us energy, but like it can be a different sort of energy. And um, and like, that's a hard thing because like you, to go into any detail, you really need to understand like the science and not, I mean, I was like, I got stuck like pretty soon into that conversation. So I'd much rather just talk about like, these are peanuts, <laughs> like, um, you know, call the food what it is because that's just, it's easier. Um, and I think just less confusing. That might've been a confusing answer. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It makes sense. I mean, they can only understand so much. So why not talk about what color it is and if it's right. sour and, or sweet? And also, like, I, <laughs> I just want to be, like, I want to be honest and I want to be truthful. And when you start making claims about foods, like, you very quickly can go into an area that you're saying something that might not be true. Um, like, there's a very, like, popular thing that, like, carrots, if you eat carrots, it'll help you see in the dark. Well, like my five-year-old wears glasses. No many, she's like she could eat like all the carrots in the world and she's not going to be able to see well, no matter what the light is. Like, and so then like a kid, like the kid can feel like they're doing something wrong if they're hearing like a promise, like eating spinach will make you strong. Well, like it may or may not. Like, so I just think it's, kids are so literal that if like something doesn't work the way that they, you say it's going to, like they may never want to eat that food again. That makes sense, actually. Um, and what about like the, I mean, sugar, I think is a, a topic that's probably difficult. Like I, you know, try to limit the amount of sugar my kids are eating, but m my daughter goes to preschool and they give her like a cookie as a snack. So, same with my son at daycare. I mean, I don't know. So it's hard to avoid uh, kind of, but what are your thoughts just about giving treats, like calling them treats or do we just like incorporate cookies and things like that as throughout the day or don't I mean I like I definitely yeah. struggle with this so um I mean I think I try to call the like again call the food what it is like just call it a cookie call it a brownie um 
And I think when, like, the kids are being, I mean, I have a kid in daycare and, I, like, he will often have, like, birthday stuff and I'm sort of like, I don't know what he's eating. Um, but, like, it is a really amazing thing that your kids are being exposed to a range of foods and that they can eat different foods prepared by different people. Like, that is not something that every kid has the exposure to and that's really going to help them when they go to school and they're seeing all sorts of things. So I think, like, Remember that the overall situation is a big plus. And then I think just like, think about the proportions of food that they're eating. And like, maybe we have less added sugars and we have more of other foods, but we don't have to have zero. Most adults are not comfortable eating zero. And when kids and adults feel like they're not allowed to have something, it usually just makes us want it more. Um, as anyone who has like bought like the jumbo size box of like granola bars or like a certain snack food, it's very common for kids to have like access to more of something and then like not want that thing. And then you wind up with half a box of chocolate brownie Z bars that nobody will eat <laughs> because they had them all. Um, so I think the more we can just like treat these foods as foods that we sometimes have and sort of take the like the emotional, like it's a lot of times the kids are, are reacting to our emotional um, like discomfort about them having the cupcake, not the cupcake itself. Um, I often hear parents talking about how like crazy their kids got after going to a birthday party and they like ate a piece of cake with a bunch of icing on it. And I'm like, well, the party was probably exciting. Like they probably maybe would have had a meltdown anyway. Like there's no way to isolate it to like the sugar and so I think like keep the context of it all in mind and there's no way to take like the appeal of those foods away because they taste good and I don't think that should be our goal um, but I think just making them not feel like something that we need to earn not feel like something that we never are allowed to have because um, that's usually the thing that makes it more interesting to kids. Yeah, the the earning and right, like it's always if you do this, you'll get this. Yeah. I think is yeah, it's it's hard probably to where that. the problem arises. It's hard not to do yeah. that, but yeah. So, I think you know another another probably stressful component of feeding children is just like the time and the energy and the money it takes to feed mm -hmm. multiple people in the in a household. Do you have um, some? like pantry staples that you would recommend keeping in a kitchen that maybe would be like a time saving for someone trying to make a quick meal or maybe like save some money um, in that process? Um, frozen veggies are really awesome. They are, you don't have to chop them and they are frozen like right after picking. And so often they have better flavor than some fresh veggies. Um, so I would definitely say frozen veggies. And then the things that I keep on hand for like quick meals are canned beans. So we do a lot of like burritos and quesadillas, um, pasta with jarred sauce and peas. Like that's like the most simple. And then I'm always using marinara sauce or um, jarred or canned tomato sauce to add flavor to like soups, like minestrone or um, like adding some marinara sauce into like a chicken soup, like to add just extra flavor. Um, 
So those are sort of my go-to. I also love like a Indian simmer sauce. So like to put that in a skillet and then sort of like poach chicken in it and then serve it with rice or naan from the store. Uh, that's that, I mean, that can cost a little bit extra money, but if you compare it to what it would cost to buy takeout, it's like, you know, you can have a meal for like $8 for four to five people versus however much it would cost you to get takeout. And then there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, um, we love salad kits. (laughs) And so I think one of the things that I have learned is that if you buy vegetables that you know your family likes, you will save more money because you're not going to be tossing stuff. So I try to buy fresh vegetables and salad kits of like the types that I know my family will eat and then like less reliable stuff, I will buy frozen. So that way, if they don't want it, I can just stick it in the freezer. Or if I just want it for myself for lunch, I'm not worried about eating a specific quantity of it. Um, So Caesar salad has been like the gateway salad for my family. Walmart has one of, I've tried a lot of Caesar salad kits and the Walmart brand, um, it's, it's really good. It is like in my top two. So, um, and you can get like the family size one and use it like as the base of a meal and add chicken and like some bread and you're like, you're done. Highly endorsed salad kits. I think we love Caesar salad. I was going to say yes. Victoria, right? You love Caesar. I do. <laughs> um, salad kits are great, but I think that's such great advice as well for, for everyone because, um, you know, I, I kind of was coming into this, like I said, I don't have kids. And so I was coming into this kind of thinking, yeah, it's probably really expensive, just like it is, you know, when I'm eating super healthy or trying to be as nu- nutritious as possible and cooking at home, but it doesn't have yeah. to be. So you've given some great ideas for some staples to have in the kitchen that are really not that expensive. Right. So I think that's great. And a lot of the times you can make basics um, out of like, oats and flour and peanut butter like you don't need I know there's like there's a lot of pressure to buy like all of the fancy seeds and all the fancy flours but like you really can make a very nutritious homemade thing with just like really the basics obviously keeping it simple is where your whole philosophy kind of comes from I think you posted something the other day about I think it was you like I think we eat a lot of burritos (laughs) and quesadillas was that that yeah yeah. (laughs) like Right. So what, you know, you're using different things, but like, it's the same idea. Right. Who cares? Right. And I somehow like wound up with and... kids who will just like eat a bowl of beans by itself. <laughs> so I'm like, that. I think that's fine. I think we're fine. <laughs> Do you have any other like favorite advice that you give people who are feeling, you know, stressed about feeding their family or people who are contacting you? Yeah, I think really just like, so like, A, you don't have to cook all of your meals. You can like assemble. <laughs> You can make sandwiches, you can have breakfast for dinner, like you don't have to do like a big production. And I think we often feel like we need to. And like a turkey sandwich is a really great dinner. <laughs> like It's a really great lunch and it's a really great dinner. Um, so I think if you can like lower the expectations, that can help. And then also make sure that you are giving yourself the freedom to eat food that you actually want, because that and cook food that you actually want yourself, regardless of whether anyone else wants it, because like that will help you be able to keep going with all of the rest of it. Because so often, especially moms, 
can just put ourselves last and like not eat any of like the raspberries or mango or like the nicer fruit. We give it all to the kids. You know, we like build our meal plans or um, what we're making around what the kids want. And I think that that's not fair and it's gonna, it could very fast turn into resentment that you never get the thing that you want. So um, as soon as I had more than one kid, I realized like, oh, like this has to be part of this. Um, so I tried to keep myself in mind and I know it's hard when there's different preferences and especially if you have allergies or food intolerances, um, it can feel very, very difficult. But even if that's like, you make the smoothie that you love for breakfast or you have the lunch that you really want, like at some point during the week, prioritize yourself. I think that's great, great advice. And I mean, I, I was curious if there was something, and you, you may have just answered the question that I have, but if you have um, any additional advice or um, if there's anything you can leave our listeners with to help them stay positive when approaching their next family meal? Um, I think if you can not worry about the food, even for part of the meal, and like ask your kid a specific question. If you have older kids, ask them to tell you a joke. Like my two, my three-year-old last night, everyone had left the table. He was still sort of eating, but he was like kind of playing. And I just started asking him questions about his day. And he like talked for like 35 minutes straight. And I was like, wow, I never think, cause he's kind of little and like, he doesn't always get his facts straight, but it was very funny and it was really fun to just hear him talk about like the friends whose names he couldn't remember and like random parts of his day. So I think the more you can like not talk about the food and talk about other stuff and like ask, like just be with your kids and remember that that's a big part of the meal. And like, that's probably the thing that you're going to remember and that the kids are going to remember versus like this specific thing that everyone ate. And um, I think that that can go a long way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, something we like to ask all of our guests is, um, do you have a mantra that helps keep you motivated every day? No. <laughs> um, I don't know that I do. I mean, when, like my good friend and I, would, we had a podcast for a while and then we had to stop doing it when COVID hit because we had no childcare and we had jobs and all of that. Um, so we would often say to feed yourself first. And I think that is like, figuratively and also literally to make sure that you are taking care of yourself um, because if you don't do that you can't take care of the kids so that's probably as close as I would get although I'm not perfect at it for sure that's great advice I think everyone can benefit from that in all aspects of our lives right yeah awesome well we really appreciate you coming on today um, how can people reach you if they want to um, reach out to you or, or follow your journey? Um, so you can find me at yummytoddlerfood.com. There is a contact page on there. I answer every email that I get. So if you have a specific question, feel free to email me um, or you can DM me on Instagram or follow along on Instagram. Sometimes DMs get lost. So if you have like a really burning question, I would suggest email <laughs> would be the better option. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much because obviously like I said before I've used a lot of your tips with my own kids and I've learned even more today talking to you so I'm grateful that you decided to take this path and help all of us struggling moms out here (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Amy 
You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Busy People Podcast. You can find highlights from today's episode in the show notes. Please support us by sharing this episode, leaving a rating or review, and subscribing to the show. And to catch all the latest from us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Busy People Podcast. Join us next time for another enlightening conversation because you're never too busy to learn something new.